Do you like ghosts? What about monsters or haunted houses? Evil furniture stores? Cannibalism? Doppelgangers? Childhood mysteries that involve a strange cult or a scary clown? If you answered yes to any of the above, you may be eligible to become a patron at the Dead Letter Society's Library of Terrors. Dead Letter Society is a book club podcast about horror, mysteries, thrillers, and all genre of things that go bump in the night. Every episode, me, Marn, and my wife Alyssa pick a book from our Library of Terrors to read, then come together to discuss it live on air. Which characters do we get too attached to? What plot twist shocked us? Which scares fell flat and which had us jumping out of our seats in anxiety? Which character deaths made us lie down on the floor in anguish? You'll just have to join us here in the Library of Terrors to find out. Dead Letter Society is a proud part of the Moonshot Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dead Letter Pod, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon at the next meeting of the Society. And welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're beginning The Blood of Olympus, the final book in the Heroes of Olympus series. How are you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I think we can skip this one. Probably, right? We know what happens, right? Yeah, Jane, just uh, tell us in like one sentence what happens in this book, and we can, we can skip it. I mean, the, the the book spoils everything at the very start because it's telling us about Jason getting old. So like, we know this is all a flashback. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I basically ignored the rest of it after that. I was like, okay, we're starting. <laughs> we're starting this far in the future. Yeah, okay. Gonna be Jason talking to his grandkids or something. Whatever. Some fucking how I met your mother bullshit. <laughs> Uh, it'll turn out that, like, Percy and Piper both died in their grief. Uh, Jason and Annabeth got together or something. <laughs> oh, God. The How I Met Your Mother ending was, like, worse than that, though. Wasn't it, like... I don't know what, the f- would... I don't know what that is, to be honest. Okay, that's a... that's a t- uh, It was a popular but terrible TV show uh-huh. uh, where the frame story of it was that it was an old... It was, it was a dad telling his kids about, like, his old love life. Um, and like, it's how I met your mother. Mm. Uh, and the twist at the end, when it seems like, okay, you've met the mother, like they get married, all that, like the final season. Uh, the twist is that actually she died uh, like a few years <laughs> later. And he, and he got back with his original love, love interest from like the first few seasons. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's a truly kind of terrible show. So uh, I guess in this context, this would be like Jason getting back with Raina. Yeah, it kind of would be. Piper dies of fucking, <laughs> I don't know, she gets shot with an arrow. Uh, and then he gets back with Rena. yeah. How are you today, Jacqueline? You know, I am doing okay. I am excited to talk about this. I just went to a, a very good Indian food restaurant, had Ooh. some delicious chicken curry, and I'm excited to, and it's not to begin. Interacting huh? badly with your tummy at all? Well... I, that must it can't happen that quickly i it, it's been like an hour there it, i cannot it, it can't happen that quickly it must have been like the cereal i had this morning or something <laughs> i don't believe in myself to be a person who is affected in the tummy that badly by by food i mean if it's spicy enough it can happen fast it, but it wasn't spicy i've had spicier food that does not give me the shits maybe it was because <laughs> it had coconut and i hate coconut I uh, I mean that could be it, and my my tummy just like revolves against the concept of of it. Uh huh. But how about you give us those summaries today, Jane? Yep, I have a special treat for you all today because I had to write these fucking things on a train. Uh, these are handwritten artisanal summaries. Somewhere, I closed my fucking notebook, so I have to actually find them again. <laughs> God damn it, Jane! <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely not re-recording this bit. Uh. Chapter 1, Jason. We open on Jason, Piper, and Annabeth in disguise, infiltrating the ruins of Odysseus' palace, where the ghosts of the suitors who invaded the place in the Odyssey are waiting for orders from Gaia. 
Piper and Annabeth are disguised as serving girls, while Jason has a misdisguise from Hazel, which makes him a smelly old man. The kids need to decide whether to take the long or short route to Gaia from Ithaca, and finding out what these guys know will be critical to that. We also hear about some ominous dreams Jason has had about Clytius, Zeus, and his moth. Chapter 2. Jason. The trio arrive at the party and find it very rowdy. The ghosts are smashing statues of the gods into a fountain of sand to feed Gaia. They split up, with Annabeth and Piper serving while Jason pretends to be the ghost of Iros, the old homeless guy who the suitors made run messages for them. He finds out that as well as the suitors, there are various other nerdy wells with a grudge against Olympus here, including Michael Varus, the Camp Jupiter Praetor who lost the Fulman after his eagle in Alaska in the 1980s, which we last heard about in Son of Neptune. Jason discovers the, uh, that Porphyrion is in Athens to wake Gaia as the fe- at the Feast of Hope, and that one of their potential routes, the Straits of Corinth, is a trap. That means the Argo will have to take the long route around Greece's southern coast. Unfortunately, before Jason can make off with this information, Michael Varus sees through his disguise, and calls over another ghost who has been waiting for Jason, the ghost of his mother, which I just realised I read as moth again. Fuck. (laughs) Chapter 3. Jason. Jason thinks about how the trauma of his mother leaving him has influenced his character over the years, and uh, over the course of their conversation where she does the whole join me son routine, realises that she's a mania, a mere fragment of the madness that overtook her later in life, and once he realises that and rejects her offer, a fight ensues. Chapter 4, Jason. The battle rages, and while the kids manage to beat the ghouls, Jason gets stabbed in the process. Ambrosia doesn't heal him, and Juno rocks up to say that the blow, delivered by Varus with an imperial gold blade, has wounded his soul. She tells the kids that Artemis and Apollo have fallen out of favour with the Olympians, and may be able to help them before Jason blacks out. So, Jacqueline, what do you think of these chapters? It was a decent start, I think. I, you know, we're we're doing okay. You, you I, Jay, I feel like I, I was like listening to you reading like some lost scrolls you found at some points. <laughs> was that the the paper rustling sound effects, or the fact that it sounded like I was like translating in real time from a dead language? A little bit of both. Fucking shit handwriting. <laughs> I, I, I'm imagining you with the handwriting of like a doctor and like halfway through you like and you were like oh I should try out a new shorthand I'm making up on the spot and like you <laughs> forgot how uh, to read it I unfortunately don't have my phone right now so I can't like make you live react to how awful my handwriting actually looks uh-huh. I will say that it's like it's terrible at the best of times and I was like writing on a notepad that I had propped up on my knee on a moving train god <laughs> I re- so it's a I, miracle that was legible at all. Complete respect. You're such a hero for doing it that way. I simply <laughs> would not have. Did you lose your phone? Oh no, no. I, I it's just upstairs on charge. Okay, I was like, is that why you didn't just write it there? <laughs> no, that probably would have been smarter, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a pretty strong, a, a decent start. I'll say. Uh, we we were checking back in with Jason, who wasn't as big of a character in the previous book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, uh, you know, what this does for his character arc is decently interesting. I, I thought it was okay. What'd you think? Yeah, this this was pretty good. There's there's some, there's some Rick Ride and weirdness in these chapters, for sure. Uh-huh. But, like, as uh, uh, just, like, a, a solid, action-packed opening to the book, it's pretty good. I kind of thought that Jason was going to die for a minute there. You thought that it was going to start off with, like, the fucking prophecy being fulfilled or something? I thought it... I, I don't know. I Jason's mother coming in is, like, such an out-of-left-field thing. Yeah. I think, because he... He has not thought about that in a couple of books, as far as we can tell. And then he's suddenly thinking about it in this chapter, and then she shows up. And I thought, for a second, I was like, oh, I smell a hastily resolved character arc. I wonder if Jason's going to get bumped off to raise the stakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that is, like, hanging in the air over us a little bit. Because, like, this does feel like the book where one of these fuckers is going to die, right? We are absolutely only getting out of here with six of these kids. One of them is going to die for sure. At most. Uh, (laughs) I... It'd be funny if like all of the new characters sacrificed themselves to save the old one or old ones or something. <laughs> uh, that'd be so sad. 
Uh, if you if you like would give would give him the choice on how this this book had to go, if Rick Ryden was like, I will I will do whatever you dictate, and it was like Percy sacrifices himself for Leo, or Leo sacrifices himself for Percy, what would you pick? I I understand what you're saying completely perfectly, and I think that <laughs> uh, it's really hard. I like both those characters a lot, you know. I guess I would tell Rick Riordan Leo feels like he could have such a good death right <laughs> like he would do like he would be like the awesome epic anime protagonist kind of like or like the awesome like si- secondary character who is like mostly a jokester but like dies with like he has like a fucking Mer- mercutio death not like cursing everyone but like he goes out like his dripping blood from his mouth and he like delivers some awesome line at the end but i Leo, I think, is, like, he feels like the side character who, like, five episodes from the end goes to take on the main villain himself, but, like, and has, like, this really detailed and uh, well-executed plan to, like, just take them out early instead of the main characters, but there's, like, one tiny flaw in the plan that the villain exploits to, like, brutally kill them, and then that provides more motivation for the main heroes. Yeah. I I feel like Leo has too much momentum. I'd say kill Percy. <laughs> He's sadder. I think Rick Ryan would tell you to fuck off and that he still needs to eat. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> what you you don't think fucking uh Jason Grace and the 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 bed of Odysseus would not quite sell quite as well. <laughs> God, that does that does that does appear in these chapters. It does. Odysseus' no, fucking marriage bed. His fucking bed, yeah. Uh, and like, no, you're completely right though. I also was like, he's going to bite it. Like as soon as he's like, oh yeah, Jason, there is an arrow that or like you got stabbed by a sword that is made of demigod kill- killing metal that will eat away at your soul <laughs> until you die. I was like, okay, that, that, what's he going to do for that? And I guess he seems fine. I guess he seems fine. Maybe this is going to be like, this is like a waltz arc for this book. Jason is now terminally ill, but from being stabbed with an Imperial Gold Blade. Like Walt Whitman? Walt from fucking Kane Chronicles. Oh. Wait, was why did I say Walt? I meant Walter White, is actually what I meant to say. I thought <laughs> yeah, you were talking what... about the, ter- the terminally ill Walter White. <laughs> I remember Marcy was like, she she was making a fucking Venn diagram about Kane Chronicles and uh uh, Breaking Bad being connected because of terminally ill Walt, and also there was like a camel named Heisenberg or something. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> I, I, you know, it starts off okay, right? We get the classic sort of in me, in me. <laughs> we get the sort of we get the sort of classic in media res start. We're like right in the middle of the thing. We find out it's been like a bit more, a bit under two weeks, and we sort of jumped mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, what's What's your opinion on old man smell? Is this something you've encountered a lot in your day-to-day life? I think Rick Ryden has noticed this about himself and is, like, writing what he knows. Oh, God. Because Rick Rick Ryden is an old man and therefore must have old man smell. I guess so. Rick Ryden age. All right. I guess he was 10 years younger when he wrote this. Yeah, he's he would be a 48-year-old man or somewhere thereabouts. He, he'd still be in his 40s. I feel like you don't get old man smell until, like, your 60s. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Wait, is he only 58? Yeah. We've made this discovery before, and you've said, like, we... oh, that poor fucker looks so old. Maybe I'm old, and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, he honestly doesn't look that old. Uh, he, he, like, he he's a young-looking guy for 58. Or, like, he looks 58, I guess. It's, it's fine. Um... I, old man, I I have like certain smells I associate with old people, but I never think of them as like chicken soup, you know? Mm. I think of like... Poo. A little bit of poo. (laughs) But like, mostly from like animals. Like, old people tend to have animals and sometimes they poop places. Mm, Yeah. And like candy, but like not good candy, like kind of okay chocolate and not very good other candy. Yeah, like licorice or something. Like a little bit of licorice. And I don't know. I just like an, I guess an old house. I, I feel like old mm. people have old house smell. That's my, that's my vibe. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seems Jason has become like the crib keeper. <laughs> 
I think Jason should have at least got to be like old crusty sea dog. Because he's on a boat. Yeah, he doesn't get to become old crusty sea dog. He's apparently... He apparently looks like uh, some fucking guy named... What was Iros. it? Iros. Yeah, Iros. Uh, who apparently was just like an attendant of Odysseus's wife, Penelope, who would beg for scraps of food and uh, like send messages for the suitors and stuff. And, uh, and then got beaten to death by Odysseus for literally no reason. For the reason... Uh, okay, this is kind of insane to me. Was this in the fucking, like, Odyssey? because Or, like, the Iliad? Because... I guess be the, the Odyssey. Yeah, it's the Odyssey. Okay. Because, yeah, okay. It, it's a, it's his Odyssey, Odyssey home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's described that, like, the That's, suitors... No, hang on. That's not... <laughs> what? It's not his Odyssey home. What do you mean? What? It's, it's the it? Odyssey because it's about Odysseus, and then the word Odyssey comes from people <laughs> taking journeys. <laughs> I. <laughs> you f- <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in my brain, yeah, the... I know that, right? <laughs> like, if you yeah, ask like, me that, it's called the Sword of Damocles when it ha- hangs over his head because the the Sword of Damocles story, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I fucking said that on a Greek mythology podcast. What's wrong with me? We're fake oh fans. We're fake fans. We're fake Greek history fans. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to title this episode His Odyssey Home. Uh, <laughs> the, the fucking. Anyway. Odysseus on his journey home disguised himself as like a homeless guy and the suitors saw Iros and this uh, and this other homeless guy and were like wouldn't it be funny if we made them fight which literally is still a thing that happens today literally still a thing that happens I would not be shocked if fucking this still happens at like Camp Jupiter like people place yeah. bets on the fawns fighting or something they have fucking, like, bum fights fawn edition. God, it's, it's incredible to me that Jason doesn't have any thoughts about the fawns while this is happening. Yeah. He's never like, wow, these people are treating me like shit because they think I'm a homeless guy. Maybe I should be nicer to the fawns. Yeah. <laughs> God. He, he he decides to lean into it instead. He's like, what, what do I think a gross old homeless guy would act like? I'm going to eat and, this meat with my hands. Yeah, like, eat this... Like, raw meat with my hands <laughs> possibly human meat this is why he fucking blacks out later it's nothing to do with the imperial gold he just ate some really gross food it's because he's eating the fucking jordan peterson diet <laughs> oh god yeah that made him go to a coma as well <laughs> it's interesting the way that this is happening right because the the, mm-hmm. the final book the sorry the previous book set it up as like we are going the routes that all the Greek heroes went, uh, mm. or like around the Greek mainland, and now it seems like we really are just hitting like all the star attractions in this book. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's kind of a bunch of stuff that's been getting hyped up for like ten books now, so you, you get to finally like hit all the all the spots and be like, wow, this is a cool place from this myth. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Percy Jackson and the Greek Hero is available from your local library. For... Uh-huh. Oh, God, you're right. That probably did come out around then. I kind of feel like the the way that myths are being talked about in this is less in, like, the um, the way where it's kind of, like, ed- trying to educate the audience as it was in previous books. And this one feels more like referencing a thing that it assumes the reader already knows. A little bit, Yeah. So I want. I wonder if that that it, there is kind of an assumption Rick is making that like people have read Percy Jackson and whatever the fuck. I think it could be that. I think that Percy Jackson really did to an extent. Like obviously it already existed before I knew about Percy Jackson. I was still reading like big book of Greek myths in my mm. elementary school library. Yeah. But I think it did sort of revitalize a lot of this, a lot of the stuff in certain aspects of popular culture, and also the audience has aged. You know what I mean? This is true. Like, this is at least, this is targeted, like, maybe a year or two higher than most, than I think, like, the the Lightning Thief. Yeah, I can see that. And so it's just, like, expected. You might, you might know a bit more. 
It's, it's expected that like the kids who've been reading along probably at least read the Wikipedia summary of the Odyssey at some point. Ah, uh, for sure. We've been given the bullet points enough times by now. Uh huh. Piper, Piper is here. Pipe, Piper is indeed here. I we were ta- I should follow up on this because we were talking about it at the end of a uh, last last book. Uh, it turns out she didn't stop using the dagger of Helen of Troy, Catoptrus. She just dual wields now. She dual wields now, which is fucking sick. Uh huh. And I wonder if I wonder if she's kind of doing it to lord it over Annabeth a bit. You think so? Annabeth doesn't have a dagger anymore. Piper does. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Annabeth just has her sword. That's awful. <laughs> she should at least give Annabeth the cornucopia. I uh, no, Piper's not giving Annabeth any more of her fucking food. <laughs> god, you're right. Annabeth's such a fucking bully, you know. <laughs> Piper finally, t- Piper is like doing revenge. She's like, oh, 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 you know, I, I should just take out my dagger and fix the situation. Oh, oh, I guess I'm the only one that has one of those now, aren't I? <laughs> they seem to be friends. They seem to be friends. It's probably fine and normal. I'm sure it's normal to, you know, steal your, steal your uh, campmates uh, breakfast every day, leaving them sad and starving leaving them unable to make their sacrifices to the Olympians and therefore, like, cursed. Do you think they give feathers to all the Camp Half-Blood kids who do good stuff, or just the Native American ones? I'm unaware of what you're referencing. Uh, we learned that uh, Piper has a feather in her hair now that she wears because uh, that she, like, killed some demons at Camp- while she was at Camp Half-Blood. Oh god, yeah. Uh, I didn't connect I... the dots there, but that's... Oof. I just don't remember feathers coming up before. I could be wrong. No, no, I don't think that's been a thing. So maybe they're like, they're like Piper. Well, you you like this, right? You you'll like this version. We you don't need a bead, right? We can just give you this feather. Uh, I don't want to think about it, but also Leo was being kind of racist in Quest for Buford. Uh huh. Oh God, I these oh, Piper. chapters are kind of weird towards Annabeth and Piper. I have to say. Uh huh. It's it because it makes note of the fact that like while they're going around in their serving girl disguises, they're like flirting with these fucking ghouls of like pervy adult dudes. Uh huh. There's like there's a there's a part where I think um, one of them tries to get Piper to sit in his lap. Yeah. And there's a, yeah. there's another section later where like yeah. Annabeth makes a flashing joke. Yeah, that really stood out as weird to me. Like, that is not usually the kind of joke that is in these books. Because um, she's like, like, oh, I'll, I'll signal Leo to come over and help because Jason's been stabbed. Uh, I know, I'll use I'll use Morse code. I'll do that by flashing him. And then she, like, turns she, red like, and is like, not in that way. Yeah, it's, I don't like that. <laughs> no, that's, I don't like that. <laughs> no, thank like, you. I, I, these are children, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. In a in the real world, if a sixteen or seventeen year old said that, they'd probably they they might you know say like haha didn't mean like didn't mean like that. No, between but, the ages of like thirteen and seventeen, all teenagers are fucking Beavis and Butthead. Like that's that's yeah. real. But that's not really who Annabeth the fictional character occurred. Yeah, that's not really who Annabeth the fictional character is. You know. And, yeah, I, it's very weird. Yeah, I'm. The vibe is, like, strange at the start of this. I I don't know. The vibe is also strange with Jason's mom. Uh-huh. Who's just, like... Hey, I've been watching a lot of Venture Brothers recently. Have you ever watched that show? Uh, no. There's a lot of stuff that kind of sucks in that show, and one of the things that sucks is, like, um... One of the, one of the, the main guy, uh, Rusty Venture's, like, ex-girlfriend's is, like, portrayed as, like, in, in a very, like, oh, wow, she's the psychotic ex way who's always trying to, like, kidnap his kids. And I kind of okay. feel like that's what um, uh, Jason's mom has been kind of reduced to. <laughs> Where she's I, just, like, this is crazy mother character. A little bit. Yeah, that's kind of what she was originally for the most part. I guess it is... St- it stuck out less because we never actually met her and you were able to kind of like be like, oh, I'm sure this is more nuanced, probably. And it's not. It just no. doesn't seem to be. Uh, Beryl Grace is 
total she's a mania right she ends mm-hmm. up just becoming a spirit of insanity like you said i and, i chose to phrase that in my summaries as like the what what jason is meeting is just a, a fragment of like uh insanity or something but that's not really what's in the book <laughs> like it, it's kind of ambiguous like whether there is more of her that still exists out mm-hmm. out there or if that's all she's been like quote-unquote reduced to but it's kind of feels like that's the implication right yeah and that's just there's a lot of weird vibes with this whole conversation like i i think jason's mom showing up that's that's a cool moment right just on its own yeah definitely Uh, i we've been we've been crying out for more like jason stuff with his family whether that's with thalia or with his mom yeah and there's a little bit of like interesting characterization reframing of jason happening here yeah specifically with his motivations towards acting at camp jupiter did you notice that yeah it's it's kind of continuing that um thread that we got uh last book where it's like oh jason was actually kind of a little bit of a rebel by uh, roman standards which is not something we picked up on before but is getting really kind of reinforced here it's not just getting reinforced i mean it is getting reinforced here but it's getting changed so that like it's not just that he's a rebel but the reason that he's a rebel is because he like is actively trying to like get people to not like him and not look up to him he's trying to like hang he's like oh yeah i hung out with the losers and i did things people wouldn't like on purpose so they wouldn't follow me yeah he's like he seems to be like trying to sabotage himself like consciously (laughs) yeah and it kind of i can't i'm not sure how i feel about this insofar as like what it affects for jason's character because it almost makes him come off as more like callous and calculating Mm Hmm. yeah like, yeah, because before it kind of seemed like most of what he did was driven by like the fact that he he's dutiful but to a fault. Like he will fucking destroy himself in the pursuit of doing his duty properly. Yeah. Whereas now it's, it seems like that it's kind of the other way around. He's trying to destroy himself, and duty is a means to an end for that. Absolutely. There's a lot of like little little strange things with like. That goes hand in hand with, um, he calls the suitors a bunch of dead losers waiting for a free handout, whining that the world owes them something. Yeah, I, again, in the context of, like, it's so weird that that sits right alongside, wow, you're really shitty to this homeless dude. Yeah. That he is is fucking busting out, he sounds like fucking George Osborne at at the time this book was written, talking about benefits claimants no absolutely like the handouts if as soon as you read handouts in anything Uh you you know what sort of language this is being directly taken from jason is like like repeating like like talking points from the news i don't know like it's (laughs) do you think he cut welfare while he was praetor fucking probably it's what it, <laughs> no it's what it's it's what it makes it seem like he would do it's like conservative jason it's <laughs> oh really god weird. oh god jason is fucking fiscally conservative but socially liberal oh my god you're right <laughs> no because he, he's like still really worried about nico here right exactly. he's, he, he's like oh man poor gay nico uh but like he's he's also out here like you have to make sure you pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps which is very easy for me because i can fly uh but everyone else so easy for fawns who can't wear boots god (laughs) it's not like character assassination right but this is like jason as a character has changed a little bit yeah there's a lot of like actually uh little things that feel like last minute adjustments being made here uh-huh like um this is this is a much more minor one but like uh we get basically the location of the final battle changed at the last minute <laughs> uh-huh where um uh the one of the things that they learn is like oh um guy is going to be resurrected in athens and jason has a line where he's like well up until now we just assumed that that would take place at olympus because that's what people have been saying for the entire series uh but i guess it's actually in athens because that would be more dramatic yeah at the acropolis and that's cool that's i i'm not like mad the concept of this but it feels misplaced i guess Mm -hmm. it's difficult not to feel like it's a swerve yeah i if this had come at like the midpoint of the book 
And they had had to like that would be a classic like PJO style sort of twit mid book twist, right? Yeah, the, like, the, the turns out we had less time than we thought we did. Yeah, exactly. Like we have to go somewhere else now, even though we fought our way here. That's that's a, that's very classic for the series, but instead mm. it's sort of like rewriting the details at the beginning. Which I I understand why this is happening, and this is probably actually going to end up being something that we like more because if it's taking place in Athens, there is more opportunity for like urban fantasy kind of real world crossover than it would yeah. be if it was just in the fucking mountain in the middle of nowhere. That is true. Yeah, I guess the truth is I don't care. Like I don't super care where it takes place. Like. Mm-hmm. It happening on the original Mount Olympus or the Acropolis makes very little difference to me, so I'm not like invested in it changing. Um, but it, it did ring as odd to me, I guess, as a choice. Yeah. God, speaking I, of things that we're not invested in and don't care about, Porphyrion's back. Porphyrion's back. He's still scary guy, I guess. He's one of the, like the top four giants, right? I guess. Jason already kicked his ass once in Lost Hero. <laughs> That's the problem with this, like, uh, like, well, they can still keep coming back thing. Is that <laughs> we've seen them be defeated already. It's not like Legend of Zelda where, like, you defeat a Lionel early on and then you, like, go back to the area after you've, like, beaten the game. It's like a white Lionel, so it's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. It, It's not like that. It's just the same <laughs> character. <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 different from how like, or I guess we haven't seen it. I'm not. I guess I can't judge yet. But like, it feels like it's going to be different to how like you know Percy really struggles to beat the Minotaur his first time out in Lightning Thief, and then fucking annihilates it in half a paragraph in uh, Last Olympian to show how powerful he is now. Like that's probably not going to be how the the battle against like one of these series antagonists goes. For sure, especially because it's sort of established that that can't be how any of them go, because you always need a god next to you to, to win. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, I it just feels it feels a bit strange. I don't I don't know. The giants have definitely been like one of the series' biggest disappointments, I think. And I think the concept of like here's a series of anti gods could be really cool. Yeah, but it's just but, not really been capitalized on in any interesting ways, apart from those cool motherfuckers from Mark of Athena. Definitely. And, like, a little bit... A little bit almost Clytius, but uh, he didn't get enough time. Yeah. You notice that we're just getting D&D monsters as villains now? <laughs> are we? I are, are ghouls with gray skin who eat human flesh, like, classical Greek monsters? Uh, yeah, I guess not. Or I guess they could be. But yeah, it does It does sound a lot like Rick Riordan was... He was switching back and forth between Breaking Bad while writing Kane Chronicles and Walking Dead while writing this. Yeah, the concept orig- originated in pre-Islamic Arabian religion. So, is that also part of Greek mythology, Rick Riordan? <laughs> I don't know, fucking anything is apparently. Remember, ancient Egypt is part of Western civilization. Right, okay. <laughs> God. I do I do enjoy that uh at this party we also get um evil we Persian a... guy TM. Yeah, we get Hippias, uh the Tyrant of Athens, we get Hostrobal of like the Carthaginian. Mm-hmm. Uh and and uh, of course the the classical historical figure Michael Varus. <laughs> Who like I don't I don't know what his fucking damage is. What he, uh-huh. he I don't know why he has a grudge against the Olympians. Like he was told by them to not go and do a thing, and then he did it and he got killed. His it's his ambition, Jane. That's his ambition is just too high. <laughs> I I really thought that Percy fucking like Undertaker style rest in peace that guy and Son of Neptune. Yeah, like he killed his entire legion again. Uh huh. It's take the L. Yeah, I wonder if I guess that's like the one imperial gold sword they didn't dig out of the bay. Also, sure. So this is actually Hazel's fault. If she just grabbed that sword, uh, Jason wouldn't have been stabbed with it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I guess we can we can blame it on Hazel. That's fine. She's not <laughs> in this book yet. <laughs> oh, she is. She's the one who did all the spells for everyone. Well, she did a spell. Jason had to be a smelly old man, but uh, Annabeth and Piper could just, like, wear some dresses. (laughs) I guess I assumed that they were also kind of under a spell to make them look different, but maybe I was wrong. 
I don't I don't think that's mentioned. Yeah, I think you're right. He is just glamoured to look old and also feel old. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I hate also that like <laughs> I what I what I like what what I do like with Annabeth here is that we are shown that she still has like um a lingering an injury from Mark of Athena. Yeah, that's that's kind of neat. I like I like it when we're actually like that because that was one of the things we really liked about those chapters is how it like went into like the very grounded physical effects of like this horrible thing she had to do on her body and I like that we're sticking with that. Yeah, because it fits that something like that couldn't just be ambrosia and nectared away, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of break that could stick with you your entire life. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how um, Jason and Luke's like facial scars don't didn't fade away from like ambrosia. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Jason yeah. and Luke, <laughs> uh, I've never in my life thought about Jason being a parallel to Luke. I don't think until now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we've talked about it but it's I, not in a while not in a while because because annabeth is the one who basically brings this up right yeah where she she says to jason like wow i was really impressed with how you handled encountering uh your your mentally ill mom and your proactiveness in banishing her to the shadow realm because <laughs> luke yeah. didn't handle it nearly that well <laughs> It's odd. It's a bit straight. <laughs> like I, I get what she means, right? Like mm-hmm. Jason didn't become a fascist about it, yeah, quite yet. Uh, yeah, uh, he's a neocon, not a fascist. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh God, maybe he should be the one who dies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, but it's. I, I guess I didn't think about them being like, all right, here are blonde guys with scars who. Uh, who have mom issues? You know, I, also, I don't know. We learned about where I'm pretty sure we learned about where Jason got his facial scar in this, and it was like he says it's from was from like chewing on a stapler or something. Yeah, I think we learned about that in like the first book or so, or like when he gets his memories back. We learned that like, uh, or maybe Thalia says it even that like he was just like one year old and he like stapled his lip or something like that. Oh. Yeah, I think I do remember that actually. That that is a good bit of like sensory description, though. The idea that like all of his toughness is ripped away, and like his uh, the scar on his lip burns like he just got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I just also Which... think it's funny that like people definitely think that Jason got that in a fight or something. Oh, absolutely, and he <laughs> he he got it from a fucking like whoopsie accident <laughs> as a toddler. It reminds me of one of my one of my like favorite beats in um I think it's uh the Wheel of Osheim by uh, Mark Lawrence which has like a hero who, the hero of that story is kind of like this this big uh, coward okay who, um who kind of spends the whole movie he spends the whole book trying to like hype himself up and tell himself that he's actually a hero and he's like he's basically gaslit himself into thinking that he has like cool heroic scars. And gotcha. Like one, one of the last things he learns in the book is like a final fuck you. Is that like the place where he was like, oh, I I just was stabbed by my enemy's blade here. Uh, he remembers that he actually got that scar from like falling off a fence while he was trying to climb over it. That's so good. <laughs> God, books are fun sometimes. Sometimes they're good, which is why we read them for a podcast. That's true. Uh, Jason can tor- turn his sword into a javelin at will now. That's uh, that's cool, I guess. I guess so, but like, I think it's cool I mean, when he has to like flip the coin, and it's a fifty-fifty chance that he gets like the sword or the javelin. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's less cool than that. That's the problem. Like, I I like him being like a lighter version of fucking kite hunter hunter. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> God, what a fucking good nan ability that was. It was so cool. I uh, but it really like. Just give him the fucking coin back. I get what it like his weapon being stripped away. We really like that at the end of the last year, as I mm-hmm. recall. Um, but it's for him to just suddenly be able to do it again to this random training sword that he's been using is not nearly as interesting. Actually, you want to know what if if Rick wanted to be doing this again, he should have just not done it in this chapter, and then Juno gives him the coin back when she shows up. Oh, she yeah. was the one who took it the first time. 
yeah, she is. She should have been like, hey, hey, you'll need this for the final battle, right? Yeah, you, you've earned this by making your decision to stay at Camp Hoffman or whatever. Or like you don't, or like he asks for the coin back, and she's like, "Sorry, you don't, you don't even need it anymore." And that's when he learns to turn into a javelin too. Yeah, that it's a little bit out of nowhere. The bit that Jason does in this battle that I really like is when he um he, he's he's described as like an arrow is flying towards him, but he blows it away with a gust of wind. Uh, yeah, that's and sick. The, the specific way that he's that it's like put makes me think that he like literally did like a like a mythological like almost fairy tale esque like he like breathes out and the gust and the puff of wind comes out you know oh that's cool it 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 feels very like i don't know it feels like something fucking odysseus would do you know yeah it, it feels it feels like uh, oh but he controlled the wind and the arrow flew wide or some shit definitely yeah like he he's entering big bad wolf mode <laughs> Which I guess makes sense because uh, we get some flashbacks to the wolf house. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is, I'm, I'm fascinated that Jason has so many memories from when he was two years old. Because I don't remember shit from when I was two. I think my earliest memory... What's your earliest memory? My earliest... Actually, I guess this was when I was like two years old. My earliest memory is my dad rear-ending another car while taking me to nursery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I... <laughs> Mine is also a dad story, which I guess makes sense that you would that a parent would be in a story for when you're uh, have your earliest memory. Uh-huh. But I I was on a boat uh, and I like fell off the side and I like, what I fell off the side of the boat and into the water. Uh, so my earliest memory is of like sinking into the water. Um, hey, I remember and, when um, you were telling me about the other time you went on out on a boat with uh, Kiara. And you were like, uh-huh. that, this is a really freaky experience. I don't think I like being out on boats that much. Do you think this might be why? <laughs> well, that one is because our boat stopped working in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, but it validated all your fears that already existed. I guess it did. I I remembered it for the longest time as like I almost drowned and fell to the bottom of the lake. And then my, my like mom and dad were like, no, you fell like a foot, maybe. <laughs> and, but I, I, I was in the water and my dad did have to jump in and save me, uh, which maybe Poseidon hates me. <laughs> no, you were being recalled to the sea, actually. Okay, I've, I'm, I'm an Iad. <laughs> That's that, that's kind of cool. Uh, who gave these kids white phosphorus? Uh huh. This is fucking. This is a war crime to have this, I think. And Leo is just like sticking it in flares. Yeah, he is. I I guess war crimes don't apply when you're doing it against the earth. He keeps it next to his supply of fucking anthrax. Oh god. He he like has like mustard gas like <laughs> pills that he will feed his enemies. I don't know. Do you think maybe he got the anthrax from Calypso? She's like, I respect all life, so I grow this here in this little tank. Here, take some with you. Plant a garden in fucking Austin or wherever it is you live. Leah God. You could plant a garden in Austin probably easier than you could plant a garden in New York City. That's true. I just like the idea of her being like, all right, Leo, uh, for the road, have uh, some soup, have some chocolate cake, have some yellow cake. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I figured out what you meant, but for a second, I thought you meant that she was like giving him a urinal cake or something. (laughs) Yucky. (laughs) Like the the final fuck you. (laughs) Oh, God. I... This is our first big Odysseus thing in the series, right? Even apart from Sea of Monsters basically being a modern retelling of the Odyssey? I guess so. <laughs> but they didn't, like, they kind they brought up Odysseus a few times. I know but... what you mean, though. Going to his house is a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's come up a couple of times, but he's never been, like, the super huge folk. I mean, okay, Sea of Monsters, you're completely correct, but like we've said, <laughs> Sea of Monsters 4 is this book. Your 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 Odyssey knowledge is really it's really showing some gaps this episode. All I know is that fucking 
Odysseus, on his journey home to Ithaca, was told by an old spirit that he should walk inland until nobody recognized his, uh, until somebody mistook his oar for a shovel. At that point, he should uh, make that his home because that was where uh, people were untouched by the sea. Do you think Flint is at this party? <laughs> fucking probably. I want, I want fucking like Long John Silver, Flint, or some shit to show up in this series. It'd be so funny. <laughs> Well, we've we got Blackbeard. We do have Blackbeard. He didn't have the uh, uh, damage that you might expect. No, this one apparently did not get... <laughs> oh, spoilers, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen to our bonus show if you want to hear us talk about Black Sales. <laughs> Patreon.com slash unwisegirls. It's Twitter.com slash unwise... Patreon.com slash unwisegirls. Five stars, etc. So... Do... <laughs> okay, you said... <laughs> I'm my brain broken. Okay, <laughs> fucking. This, anyway, we're having a silly one this week. I think the fucking bed. We have to talk about the fucking bed. The fucking bed is on a tree, I guess, and that's what makes like, Juno so horny for it. Yeah, she gets really excited about the fact that it's like made of a tree, and that means that it can never be moved. Um, she she makes the like comparison. Of like, ah yes, Odysseus and Penelope are just like me and Zeus. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's right. She's absolutely right. Because as Jason points out in his inner monologue, uh, Odysseus fucks around all the time. She's not, like, she's right. But also she says that that is the perfect marriage. I think she just has absolutely no self-awareness. That's probably true. But I also, I don't know. Hera, like... A fucking cut queen <laughs> era. She is getting constantly owned in these chapters. Fucking Annabeth. She shows up and is like, I only have a few minutes. I'm tr- I need to help you. But Annabeth is constantly dunking on her. Uh-huh. <laughs> Calling her like the god of cows and shit. It's really funny. <laughs> oh, speaking of insane comparisons, actually. Uh huh. I need to. Because I forgot to mention this in the last set of chapters. But like, at the, at the end of of uh, uh, House of Hades, when they're talking about like um, whether or not to gamble sending the Athena Parthenos back with a uh, Reina, Nico, and Coach Hedge, Frank is like, well, you know, sometimes you got to take a big risk for a big reward, uh, like Caesar did when he crossed the Rubicon. I just find it weird that he's like talking about as like an inspirational uh, example. Uh, Caesar fucking seizing control of the Roman Republic and turning it into an empire. I mean, he's he's from the Roman camp, you know? He's from the Roman, I don't know. He's talking about it the way that, like, they talk about fucking Bill Gates in school or something. For sure. <laughs> anyway, he's talking sorry. about the, No, you're completely correct. <laughs> he's talking about the way the fucking, um, people will be like, there's that new game coming out that's like, play as an Aztec warrior trying to escape from the Spanish uh, the, the Spanish invasion. Oh my and god. Every, every fucking person in the comments is like, lol, can I play as the Spanish? Can I play as the Spaniards? Can I play as the winners, please? Uh, every, every fucking Pepe icon on the tw- on the fucking website. Uh, no, you know what it is? It is, uh-huh. it is the scene from the hit 2022 uh, movie Moonfall. Okay. Directed by the, the visionary Roland Emmerich. Okay. Uh, where this like neckbeard hacker learns that like the moon is falling and like NASA won't take his calls about it. Uh, so he like he looks over at a picture of a rocket on his wall and says out loud, "What would Elon do?" And then posts about it on Reddit. <laughs> is that real? That's real. <laughs> That's like how in fucking Scream MTV. Uh, one of the main characters is like, yeah, I really look up to Elon Musk. I want to be his intern. <laughs> I, God. Should we talk about the covers of this book? Let's talk about the covers. I I want to talk about the covers. Let's let's start with with what I assume is your edition. Let me let me look at this. Yep, this is my edition. This is dog shit. Can you describe this to us? So this is um, this is uh, seven uh, like uh, photos of just like random kids that they got into the studio, 
uh, including, and I, I assume the notes for Percy were like uh, a Logan Lerman type. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone's swords are like really weird and oversized and too spiky. Uh, Leo has a chainsaw for some reason, which I am actually kind of excited about. <laughs> oh yeah, I hope that happens. I hope he gets to get in amongst some ghouls with that thing. That'd be sick. Uh, I... <laughs> The, the, it's kind of like desaturated and like uh, in shadow, but I'm pretty sure they whitewashed Frank. He looks like Joaquin from Riverdale. <laughs> he <me> does. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> he, I, fucking Jason has like a mohawk. Does he? I need to zoom in. I need to zoom and enhance he, on this. His hair is like gelled up. It looks like or like uh, a mohawk. Yeah, no, I see it. I see it. <laughs> Uh, somebody has, like, a cartoon, like, Naruto sword, um, with, like, like, big shark tooth bits. I assume that's Annabeth, right? Because she has her fucking dragon tooth sword. That's not what that should look like. Yeah, no, I assume that the the artist was told dragon tooth sword and was like, okay, so it's, like, a, a bunch of dragon teeth, not just one big tooth. Yeah, and, uh, let's see, we've got... Uh, and they're all standing on a big rock. Just It's just a big rock. And to symbolize that they are on the earth, which is their enemy. And underneath them is a big just woman face. It's just a fucking lady. It's just a lady with a, a gray filter over her face. They should have at least had her close her eyes to make it like... Yeah, her whole deal is that she's asleep. God. I guess maybe it's like, ooh, she's woken up in this one. Fucking whatever. But like, also, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna know that's Gaia unless you've read the fucking book because it doesn't look like her. Because we hear that Gaia has like a weird, creepy stone face. Yeah, she doesn't have like model face with like perfectly sculpted eyebrows. <laughs> with like some leaves over her face as well, even though she's underground. Leaves and twigs. Yeah, leaves and twigs. Uh, and then I think there's only. It seems like there are a few different co- covers. This one. Eyes. Uh, this one's yeah, this one's cute. Percy Jackson's final battle begins. That's not fucking true. <laughs> that's not fucking true. And actually, that's kind of oh, they changed that on my one. Actually, it just says from the creator of Percy Jackson along the top, even though the rest of it is okay. the same. <laughs> God. Okay, let's have this one's this one's nicer. I like this one. This looks this like the cover of like a, a graphic novel or something. It might be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know there is a graphic uh, novel series. Yeah, I don't know how far they got, like, if they got here, but if they did, then this, I would imagine this could, could be it. It is instantly very funny to me that Annabeth has her dagger. <laughs> yes. Uh, I Also, Jason wears glasses. That's I didn't, does he wear glasses? I don't, I don't know if that's ever come up. Maybe, maybe he, like, I like that detail about him because yeah. there's not, like, a, we don't have characters that wear glasses really in Percy Jackson, so I think that's cool. Uh, and also it makes him look a bit more, like, unique. Uh, but also I like to imagine that like he just like st- his eyes stay old so he needs glasses. <laughs> okay, that is actually very good. All these characters basically look like what I imagine them as for the most part. For the most part, except for Frank, who again, I swear to God, has been whitewashed. Hey, he, he, he's very burly. Like he's got the huge like chest and arms. Mm-hmm. I... I gotta say, the way that Percy looks on this cover, I don't know what it is about the proportions, but just like the very, the very big hand and the kind of like the 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 bendy sword, kind of makes him look like one of those um, one of the covers for like um, uh, the Terry Pratchett books, where the characters are all like big, goofy, exaggerate like like this one. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> he looks like uh, I think it's is it Josh Kidby who does the covers for these. That could be true. I don't remember. Anyway, pe- people who d- people who do cover art uh, are not important. Anyway, follow Vera Innsmouth underscore N. That's right. <laughs> uh, also, the thing Jane said is not true. <laughs> and let's talk about this final one. Uh, the the one that I got, or I didn't get it, but the one that was in my, you know, the the sort of first release, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might have had this one. The jury is still out on whether you actually read this book. Yeah, uh, this one is a banger as always. Yeah, this is pretty good. There's a lot. There's a lot of promising stuff happening here. The largest figure in this is probably Porphyrion, who has like, he's a big old giant. He's got like the uh, like weapons braided into his hair. Mm, yeah, 
Uh, we see Gaia at the bottom, and it's exactly yeah, what I want a, her to. That's a stone face. That's a fucking woman made of stone and sand. And also someone else on the right, who I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> oh, God. No, but Jane sent me a message uh, about what Frank looks like. It says I, that it looks as though he would say, I showed you my firewood, please respond. <laughs> he's just like, he's just standing and like looking down at them very imperiously. <laughs> he looks incredibly rectangular in a way that I really like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less like... It's less like the, the the cool athlete body that some of the other covers gave him, and more like just it kind of kind of the way that Percy described him at the end of House of Hades, where it's like he changed into a bull and then changed back, but kept some of the bull. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jason looks like an absolute like gremlin here. He's like kind of like jumping down from above, lightning crackling through his golden sword, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like smirking a little bit. He looks like fucking an Invader Zim character or something. <laughs> But it's like awesome. I think that's Hazel also uh, on on the big horse. Yeah, probably. It's kind of blurred out, so it's hard to tell exactly who that could be. Mm-hmm. But since she's on, since the person is on a horse, it's probably Hazel. Uh, there's also some sort of machine, which makes me hope for uh, Leo killing people by dropping a car on them. Part two. <laughs> God, please. I, I, I think that once again I win this round of covers. I, I think that's true. And I think as as ever, the UK editions are bafflingly awful. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know how I would go about looking into this, but there has to be a reason why these all look like dog shit. There has to be. Like Because why wouldn't you just guess... use the US editions? Like uh, you, I guess maybe it's like the rights are too expensive and they didn't want to pay to get new cover art drawn or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jacqueline has just sent me a message which is just the UK House of Hades cover with Never Forget written under it it's so bad it, it fucking Kane Chronicles ass looking god it is <laughs> oh. I could see uh, a world where they were like alright uh, that's, that's, that's Sadie and that's looking um, uh, Carter <laughs> All right. Well, that was our cover corner. Let's go to our. There's no new prophecy this this book, not yet. Although we do get, um, or in my edition, we get the prophecy of the seven as like an inscription in the front, which I like. I like yeah. that as like a tone setter. Good to remind us of this. It comes right after Rick Riordan says, "Like, uh, sorry for saying, like, sorry for that last cliffhanger. Ha ha. There won't be one this time unless." <laughs> I'll try to avoid cliffhangers in this book, well, except for maybe a few small ones, because I love you guys, and also I need to leave some plot threads for the next series. God. <laughs> Which, listen, no disrespect. The... Absolutely. Guy needs to make money somehow. For sure, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of, actually, there is, we should go over it, there's a little bit set up for the future books, uh, or sorry, for the future uh, chapters of this book. Specifically, like, they're going to have to fight Victory slash Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also find Artemis and Apollo, apparently, who are desperate to make amends. I won- I wonder, because Juno is like, yeah, they fucked up and fallen out of favor with uh, Zeus somehow. I wonder if this is how uh, Apollo ends up in the pickle that he's in in the next series. I bet so. I. What's weird about me is the idea that Artemis is somewhere hold away, because I always just imagine her with her hunters. Yeah, I don't think she'd really give a shit about anything that's going on in Olympus. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll see how that goes. Maybe Thalia will be there, that'd be nice. That would be good, yeah. Especially because we've just had the Jason with his mother moment. For sure. Should we do our segment? Let's do our segment. This Percy Jackson character is not says hat. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month. And for Pride Month, we're going to each select a character who is not says hat. Yep. And give evidence, evidence-based reasoning as to why. For Pride Month, we're going to be very respectful. We're going to take this seriously and make a, a really serious reading of uh, why these characters are not cishet. Yep. Uh, my pick is Jason, because being stabbed from behind by another dude is pretty gay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Mine is... Okay, I don't know where else to say this, but Leo gives me the energy of, like... This isn't for the Nazis hat segment, but Leo is more and more becoming the main character of like a weird science or zapped style 80s movie. 
Uh-huh. Like, just, like, when the Annabeth flashing Leo joke happens, it feels like a fucking, like, I've been teleported to, like, a movie where, like, Leo is gonna, like, use a technology to, like, blow a girl's skirt up or something at high school. Uh, 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 uh. The, the problem is, the problem is that I remember there was, like, I think it was Mark of Athena where Piper had to, like, tell Leo to fuck off while uh, she was changing. Uh-huh. So I'm like, that's not even that far out of the realm of possible the realms of possibility. We're we're mischaracterizing him there. Like oh, that wasn't really what the like <laughs> There's a timeline where this happens. And this is more so the fault of Rick Riordan for making <laughs> you think of that. Uh, uh, I'm gonna give it to the barely mentioned I'm I I'm gonna God, there's a there's a fountain of sand that destroys anything it touches in this. Uh-huh. Um I don't know. I just, I'm going to give it to um, Michael Varis. Stabbing a dude from behind is pretty gay. Fuck. (laughs) God, you're right. Um, Yeah, Michael Varis. uh, His his ambitions far outreach uh, his his actual like ability. However, I think that the truly the one thing that he has uh, stayed alive for is to sort of win the respect of his legion, who he once loved and now now he's lost that love because Percy killed every single one of his entire polycule. <laughs> oh my god, that really that recontextualizes the end of Son of Neptune quite a bit. Yeah, it, it makes you go from like, wow, epic Percy moment to like, a Percy, isn't this a hate crime? <laughs> god, I mean, I guess you're probably right, because like, I mean, th- this is what the fucking Emperor Hadrian was famous for. You know, uh-huh. He built that wall and also, quote unquote, enjoyed the soldiering lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll be it for us today. Unless you have anything else to say. I don't think so. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find that at moonshotpods.com or you can find a number of amazing shows that you will like to listen to. You, you will. <laughs> I, I know it. Uh, and also you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash unwisegirls where we've got links to our social medias, our uh, Discord. We have visual companions for episodes such as this where we talk about images extensively. <laughs> and also just updates when episodes go live so you can always know. If you want to support us, you can go to uh, your podcast app of choice, leave a five-star rating, and review. Tell, tell a friend about us. That one always helps. That That's probably more guaranteed to get anyone, anyone to look at us. And also, you can uh, go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls to give us a little bit of monetary support. There, you can leave us a dollar a month and get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. Uh, for three dollars a month, you'll get the Discord role of friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, yep. Episode after next, we will be uh discussing uh Rick Ryden's uh detective novel, The Widow's Two Step. So, if you would like to listen to us talk about that, or if you would like to listen to our previous episode on Big Red Tequila, uh, join the Patreon. That's right. We're also finishing Black Sail's next episode. God, fuck. If you want to hear about one of the maybe the best tv shows that exists you should go there for <laughs> patreon and for five dollars a month you get the discord roll of venus is chosen all of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of every episode speaking of which this week we'd like to thank i love sammy's great danny tana brie and erica thank you everyone thank you and as we always say at the end of every single episode see you next week camp upload See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Turtle and I are going out to dinner. You two better behave while we're gone. And most importantly, no improv. If I hear any yes and, you're getting the back of this hand. 
Well, Vince, it looks like we've got the Kame House all to ourselves. Yeah, we do, Aaron, and you know what that means. It's time to throw a banger of a podcast. We're Kame House Party, the only improv comedy Dragon Ball podcast in the known universe. We're going through every iteration of Dragon Ball, episode by episode, and performing improvised scenes based on what we watched. And you don't have to be a Dragon Ball super fan to enjoy the podcast, because each week we do a one-minute roundup to catch everyone up so you can enjoy the latest and greatest episode. Yes, and... What the shell is going on? They're doing improv all over the Kame House. They even put on flannel shirts. We're Kame House Party, part of the Moonshot Network, with new episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't close out a promo while I'm yelling at you. Finn.